Gavin Woods Podcast, proudly brought to you by Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. G'day, this is Lee Kernigan, and you're tuned in to Gavin Woods Podcast. It gives me great pleasure to introduce one of the real nice guys in Australian country music, Lee Kernigan, OAM. Welcome to the podcast. G'day, Gavin. Great to be with you, mate. Look, I've, I've been going through all of your accolades. You know, it, it, it goes on forever. Your 30-year career, you've certainly done a lot. Well, it's been a few uh, few good things happen along the way, mate. I've been really blessed. Um, uh, music is my passion. Australia is, is what I love to sing about and write about. So, um, yeah, no, it's been an absolute blessing to have um, been able to do it. Well, hallelujah to you, because at last we've got artists that are singing about our fine country and they're not singing about Memphis and and uh, Galveston and all of that. Well, that's what made American country music so good, is that they, they wrote about their people and their way of life, and, and I guess in a lot of ways it inspired me to do the same thing that, about Australia. Yeah. Well, you're Australia's most loved country music artist and uh, an outback rural icon because you go out to all the country centres. I see uh, you uh, grew up along the Murray River there. Uh, how long were you there? Um, well, I was born in Coryong, um, up near where the Murray River begins. And um, as a little boy, um, mum and dad moved down to, um, to Aubrey. And uh, I spent my formative mm-hmm. years there um, going to school and playing football and learning how to play guitar and, and forming my first band. So, um, you know, it was, it was actually there at, uh, in Aubrey where I wrote Boys From The Bush, um, that very first single off the Outback Club album. Right. Now, your father, Ray, of course, was a big country star. What was the uh, youngest age he got you on stage? Well, um, there was always music in our house um, because of Dad. Mm. Um, Slim Dusty, live at Wagga Wagga. Well, that was always on. It seemed like it was on repeat every Saturday morning at our place. So, and uh, and then Dad um, yeah. probably got me on stage when I was probably around about twelve or thirteen, um, and I was I, I joined his band as a piano player in his okay. band, and I'd. I'd, I'd We'd do a couple of songs and then a race out the front, and we didn't have any sound uh, man, a sound man out the front back in those days. So I'd run out, check the PA, and get back up on stage, and I was kind of like right. his uh, musical director and jack of all trades. Oh, that's fantastic! Now you grew up in the bush, so did I. Uh, I grew up in Roma, and uh, I, I think the uh, the closest you get with all your songs is Canamala Fella. Yeah, well, Roma, I get a bit closer than that, mate. Um, Here's my uh, claim to fame about Roma. When mum and dad got married, um, they headed off on their honeymoon in a little seven-and-a-half-foot caravan, and they ended up joining a travelling country music troupe called the Rick and Fell Carey Show, and they joined that tour. I remember Rick and Fell very much, yeah. um, they, They got to Roma, and mum wasn't feeling well. And so she went to see the doctor, and she was sort of told her told him what her symptoms were, and, and he said, and the doctor said, "Well, you're not actually ill, Mrs. Kernigan. You're pregnant. You're going to have a baby." <laughs> and ah. and that was me. <laughs> oh, how fabulous, mate! That's well, I'm very happy about that. Now Roma gets represented. Yeah, every time I go to Roma, I think about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And every time I go to Mackay, Queensland, I think of what the other thing Dad told me. He said that's where it really all started. He said apparently I was conceived at the Mackay Caravan Park, 1963. <laughs> <laughs> now let's get to this—the very best of Lee Kernigan. Three decades yeah. of hits. Now yeah. this is a 
This is a three CD set that you've released with 62 songs. And every CD is the, the, the first decade, the second decade and the third decade. That must have been a, a great labour of love to get all those songs together. It was, mate. Um, you know, every album is like another chapter in my life story in, in a lot of ways. And mm. so going back to the beginning and going through those albums as it, as they, um, as I it sort of recorded um, throughout the 90s and then the 2000s and then 2010 and beyond um, and turning it into a three-album set. Uh, yeah, it was a real trip down memory lane, for sure. The Outback Club, Boys from the Bush, Hat Town, She's My Ute, Australian Boy are all modern-day anthems of a generation. I, uh, there's one question. I didn't know a ute was female. <laughs> I suppose it's like a ship, you know, a ship. It's in uh, a ute. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> now, mate, you're the biggest name in country music, and I just noted that you've uh, you've picked up 40 number one hits, 38 golden guitars, which is now equal Slim Dusty's record. That's right, mate. Yeah. Um, and congratulations. Oh well, it was wonderful to sort of get to that um, that number. Um, although there'll only ever be one king of Australian country music and that'll always be slim. And 2008, became, you became Australian yep. of the Year. Yep. That must have made you proud. Oh, it was a huge honour. Um, I dedicated most of the year, um, 2008, just to tour um, drought-stricken communities around the country, um, just showing my support for them and um, trying to be as, as good an advocate as I could for what they were going through, um, doing it incredibly tough at the time and and of course singing a few songs along the way well you've sold over two million albums 14 studio albums and three greatest hits albums and uh, you're a four-time aria award-winning artist and uh, with all those albums you've still got a long way to go to get to slim's record haven't you oh i think i'll be about <laughs> 180 years old to, to, to get up to slim's record <laughs> yeah, of 100 albums yeah incredible yeah. career he had Absolutely. I was very fortunate because I was doing breakfast radio in Melbourne when uh, I'd Like to Have a Beer with Duncan came out. He did a verse for me, I'd Like to Have a Beer with Gavin. I've still got that copy and I still love it. Awesome, mate. You should. I'd love to hear that sometime. So how did it go? I like, I love to have a beer with Gavin. I love to have a beer with Gavin. Drink it for town and country. And then what happened after that? I love to have a beer with Gavin. Oh, I love to have a beer with Gavin. We drink in moderation, so nobody knows how many we have. We drink at the town and country, where the atmosphere is great. I love to have a beer with Gavin, cause Gavin's me, mate. <laughs> now, I, I noticed you, you end your show, we're talking about the live album now. There's so much of your material, the, uh, the live uh, at uh, the Denny Ute Muster, the 23 tracks. You uh, you end it with Waltz and Matilda with Slim. Do you do that at all your shows? Um, well, we we have been doing that, you know, for over the last year or so. Um, sort of as the when the last songs played, the strains of Waltz and Matilda come up, and it's an opportunity to go out and and sort of you know shake hands with with uh, the people who've come out to see the show, and uh, you know, uh, and go out with a, an Australian anthem. Now I understand in in your early days. You did have a have a guitar with pyrotechnics. Absolutely, yep. And one night when you were on stage and the pyrotechnics went off through the fretboard at the end and looked like a big, lovely shower of sparkles, you set fire to the curtains. I did. 
Uh, it was actually at the Woolaway Wool Shed um, near Picton in Sydney, on the outskirts yeah. of Western Sydney. And um, it was a very low um, uh, roof. Um, and I didn't realise, but the roof consisted of Hessian bags because it was a wool shed, you know. <laughs> and so um, when I let the pyrotechnics go, when I hit the switch and, and out came the sparks out of the end of the guitar, suddenly I look up, there's smoke and then there's flames. And I called to my guitar tech. I said, Bonza, <laughs> fire extinguisher, fire extinguisher. <laughs> and he came out and put out, put out the flames and... Um, yeah, we uh, yeah we nearly raised the roof literally that <laughs> night. <laughs> That's just a, a small spinal tap moment, really. Yeah, I remember the first time I used the pyrotechnics. It was at the Gimpy Muster. Um, it would have been about 1998, and we'd never used them before. But um, Bonza, who's still with me, you know, 25 years he's been touring with me as my guitar tech. He put the pyrotechnics on, but he put them on back the front. Oh. So when I actually. So I think I was singing a song called This Cowboy's Hat and at the end, you know, the guitar solo sort of breaks yeah. out into a big, you know, blazing solo and then I hit the pyrotechnics. But uh, because he put them on the wrong way around, the pyrotechnics went straight into me and they're sort of bur- burning my arm and, and the guitar actually caught oh. fire. And um, so I, I remember taking the guitar off, um, blowing out the flame and then I gave it a big hoik out into the mosh pit and it was <laughs> streams of smoke coming off it as it's heading into the mosh. And it looked like a like a relic from a Mad Max uh, film, oh, mate, that, that old mate, guitar it, by the time it hit the mate, crowd. Out front, that would have looked great. <laughs> it was an epic moment. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I love it. Now, um, 2004, you picked up the Order of Australia, OAM, a, a gong from the Queen. And being a, a good Australian and a and a good part of the uh, British Empire, that would have been another proud moment for you and the family. Yeah, well, it was. Um, I think it was Bro- uh, Prime Minister John Howard that presented me with that, and it came as quite a you know, quite a shock while, while I'd be getting something like that. But um, it was. I think it was just in recognition for a lot of the fundraising tours that we'd been doing around the country, and um, yeah, how it was um, a, a really beautiful accolade and. Um, yeah, but totally unexpected, I must say, mate. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives since 1934. Visit tobinbrothers.com.au. G'day, this is Lee Kernigan, and you're tuned in to Gavin Wood's podcast. Now, the, the live album, live at the Denny Ute Muster, 23 tracks of great songs, all those great anthems. You don't have to do too much like Boys from the Bush. The whole crowd would just be singing every word, wouldn't they? There's nothing like live performance, mate. You make those out, al- you make the albums in the studio, and it, it's always a beautiful thing to be able to do that in in that kind of environment. But it's when you get out on stage, the song doesn't belong to you, and it belongs to everybody, and they own it. And uh, yeah. songs like Boys from the Bush and She's My Ute and the Outback Club, um, wow the audience uh, probably they know it as, as I do and sing it probably better. <laughs> I remember when we did the countdown tour the uh, arena spectacular and David Payton from Pilot was one of the uh, was one of the singers on the show. All he did he went out there and strummed one chord and went oh ho ho it's and the crowd just took it. <laughs> it was just magical. Well you're bringing back memories mate. You're bringing back my childhood countdown memories now. 
because it was an institution. And, and did you have Garth Porter and Sherbet out there on the countdown tour? Yes, we did, and they killed them. They absolutely killed them. It was great to see Sherbet, you know, while a couple of them were still alive, uh, you know, Harvey, James and Clive. It was just great to see them on stage again. It was it was magic. Well, um, Garth Porter, you know, when he when Sherbet sort of ended, he got into you know music production, and he was the man mm. as you probably are aware um, behind James Blundell and his career and all those platinum albums that he had, and and then it, it was and then it was me and he, you, Boys from yeah, the Bush. Yeah, Garth wrote Boys from the Bush with me and and countless other songs across you know three decades. So. <laughs> But I remember those countdown days, and um, and I remember meeting Garth um, for the first time because um, he had this great song. Uh, it's just a, the southern of you uh, big to keep me through. Uh, what's that song he had? That big single that Garth Porter had in Sherbet Day. Yeah, it's just a matter of time before I make you mine. It's a matter of time, Garth Porter. I would say he would have, oh, I don't know, two, 3,000 songs that he's written over the time, Lee? Easily, mate. And um, one of my all-time favourites, um, what a great sounding track it is, is How's That? Um, one of the, one of the yes. great Aussie ends. Yeah. Oh, it is. I mean, that just gets played every summer. And uh, and and it, the boys from the bush, I, you know, I I I think that's that's the biggest anthem of yours because that uh, well, I I relate to that anyway. Um, it gives you some some sense of pride when yeah. you hear it. Well, not only do you know it, you've lived it, mate. Coming from Roma. <laughs> yes. Well, that's very true. Now, the big question I have to ask you is: uh, you got your hat back? Yes, I did. Um, uh, coming back from uh, down in southern New South Wales on the, on the weekend. Um, uh, delayed flights and all of that, and then at 11 o'clock at night, you're waiting at baggage carousel, and you get that sinking feeling when your baggage is not there. But uh, mm. most importantly, my hat was not there. <laughs> so um, it took, it, there, was a, like, there was a big uh, search for the hat, uh, which took place over the next couple of days. But um, the good news is it finally turned up, and uh, it's, the hat is back. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. That's good. It'll have to be like Molly. I think Molly's got about 20 of those cowboy hats just in storage, just in case. Yep. Yeah, no, God bless Molly. Absolutely, he's still going strong. Now, tell me about your wife, Robin. You've been together for 23 years, rock solid, and I love the name of your kids, Rock and Jet. Yeah. Do they still like it? I think they're pretty happy with the names we gave them. I said to Robbie when we were naming oh, the boys, good. I said, I want to give them names that um, will help them get pretty girlfriends. <laughs> I thought Jet sounded pretty good, so did Rock. So it's, it's all worked out pretty well for them, mate. Yeah, yeah, they're good, strong names. Yeah. Now, do you get any pressure from from your siblings, Tanya and Fiona, about saying, hey, what about putting a couple of our songs on your album? <laughs> well, um, I did a duet with Tanya at Tamworth for the 40th anniversary of the festival, which was great. Um, Fiona's a little bit different. Um, her songwriting style's a bit more eclectic. But uh, no, yeah, we she's still a bit rock and roll, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so we, but we still get together and make a bit of noise from time to time. I spent some time with Fiona in the states, and uh, I was about to go to uh, lunch. Yeah. Uh, with her, just before I got there, I'm sitting at the lights, and all of a sudden, my car starts to rock and roll. And I'm yeah. thinking, what's going on here? And then I see people running out of buildings. And I'm going, oh my yeah. god, it's an earthquake. So I, I turned on. Uh, on KFI, which is the uh, like the 4BC 
um, 3AW equivalent, and the guy, the guy on air is going, we've just had an earthquake here at the KFI really? Studios. The lights are swaying, and it was 5.3 on the Richter scale. And they were just going right off, and I'm going... Well, 5.3, it's yes, you know, yes. just a bit of a shock. So anyway, I've, I've rolled around the corner and I've, I've, I've turned into, into Mel's Diner and I've walked in and the, and the lights are still swaying in Mel's Diner. And I, I look down and there's Fiona with eyes as big <laughs> as saucers going, did, did you feel that? And I went, oh, honey, it was only a 5.3. I love that, mate. That's fantastic. Well, that's a story I didn't know about my sister. And a damn good one. <laughs> Tell me about the Wolf Brothers because the Wolf Brothers—they um, did your first concert at the uh, the Denny Ute Muster. What back in two thousand thirteen, around there? You're right, mate. They did, and um, that was the very first show that we did together. And um, we've been on the road um, pretty well ever since. So nine years on the road, and, uh, and next year the Wolfies will probably be doing their own touring um, mostly. Uh-huh. Uh, but gee, it's been a wonderful relationship, and uh, I've, some of the greatest years of my musical life have been sharing the stage with those boys. I've listened to all the tracks on the live of the Denny Ute Muster, twenty-three tracks, yeah. and your band is hot as hell. Yeah, well, I like to listen to that album um, with um, earphones on um, because when I'm on stage, Gav, like I use in-ear monitoring, as does everybody else on the stage, to be honest. But the mix that uh, you hear when you listen to the Danny Utemuster album is pretty well exactly what I hear when I'm, on, when I'm live on stage and doing the job. Right. Now, hasn't that got an Apple Music spatial kind of audio thing happening there? Yeah, it does. It also comes with Dolby Atmos um, spatial stereo. Right. So yeah. it's, it's kind of like a wider, deeper uh, ex- musical experience. Um, it's a new technology from Apple. So, yeah, we made it available mm-hmm. in that format as well. That's why it sounds so good. Oh, well, thank you, mate. It's very perilous to do a live album. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you don't know what you're going to get. You know, if you, you know, you needed Ernie Rose or someone like that who's been doing it for yeah. 40 years. Uh, but to, uh, to get the sound that you've got on the, uh, the live at the Denny Ute Muster, it's, it's, those 23 tracks are recorded brilliantly. Well, you know, there's a few glitches on it, I'll, I'll admit. Like, um, there's a few notes that are out of tune here and there, but um, I just wanted to just say, well, look, that's what we did. That was a record of the night, and um, hopefully people get a sense of the atmosphere of it and uh, will enjoy so it. So you've won all these awards, Lee. You're much acclaimed. You're the king of Australia with country music. What's, what's left for you to do? Oh, write a few more songs, mate, <laughs> and probably make a new album for next year. Um, right. But uh, it's it's you never actually in music, Gav. You never get to the point where you think, right, I'm at the top now. I I can stop. I've 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 done it or I've made it. I don't think I've ever had that feeling um, at any point in my career. Um, as my dad Good. said, you know, like. You know, you were talking about my dad, Ray, and how I grew up following his footsteps and playing in his band. And, you know, dad would say, you always remember, son, don't get a swelled head or, you know, don't believe your own publicity because you're only mm. ever as good as your last show. So make it a good one. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great advice from a, from a loving dad. Now, I have to draw your attention to one of your tracks on the three CD set. And I listened to it, I saw the video, and I just love it. Love Shack. 
the groove mix? Oh, yeah, well, we used I Russell know. Coit uh, on the on the <laughs> video brilliant. of that, and it was in yeah Glenn Roberts. Yeah. So um, so he 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 did a feature in it, and uh, the the Love Shack is, is is just a song about a like a, a panel van, you know, <laughs> like a, blo- a young bloke tearing around the country. Uh, having fun and uh, living life. And, uh, yeah, it was great to, ha- to have um, the old Russell yeah. Coit factor in, yeah. the, um, in the clip. I-, I remember when we picked him up from Sydney Airport, um, we-, we were going to drive up to the central coast mm-hmm. to shoot the clip. And he said, oh, I see, he said, I see there's a Dunkin' Donuts over there. He said, I wouldn't mind some donuts and some coffee. So we went over there and um, he waited in the car and I went in and, and, I-, and I got the got the coffees, you know, and, a, you know, probably four coffees and we got the donuts. And um, we and he came back and we headed off. And about five minutes later, he said, hey, where's that coffee? Oh, I'd love a coffee now. And I'd left the coffees on the roof of the oh. car. <laughs> <laughs> so it was no point going back for them. Oh, that's funny. Um, I had my own Russell Coit yeah, moment, that's mate. brilliant. You had the Sandman. I had the 64 E.H. Holden. And uh, and poor old Russell Coit had the, com- the the rusted up red combi van, which I thought was quite appropriate. Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family owned business since 1934. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. G'day, this is Lee Kernigan, and you're tuned in to Gavin Woods podcast. Did you have a '64 EH Holden? Did you, mate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What With colour? Uh, it was cream, and then I had an accident, cream. so I re- so I resprayed it. Uh, into a uh, olive green, but it had a golden silver metal flake in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with the reverse tyres and the inner spring mattress in the back. They they were pretty bouncy. I, I remember my my nan had a had the sixty four E H Holden. It was brown, and I I, hmm. I kind of learnt to drive in that in that vehicle. So back in the day, my poor old E H had had the the rust had got into the floor, and when it rained, the water yeah. would come in. So. It was, it was, it was authentic. <laughs> uh, but those halcyon days of growing up. Uh, what was your first car that you had? Your very first car. That, that was the first car, the sixty-four. The E H was yeah, it? Yeah, the E H. Okay. Yeah, and then I, yeah. and then I got out of that because I, I painted stupidly olive green because I didn't realise that a, a green car kind of disappears into the side of the road if it's been raining. So. So when you're driving yeah. down the road, people don't see you. So you've got to drive with your headlights on. So it was quite dangerous. And then I uh, got into a Celica and then uh, then uh, had Commodores yeah. for the rest of the rest of the time. Yeah, I had a VN Commodore, um, and um, yeah, I was back in my early days of recording. Um, I did a duet with a, a lady by the name of uh, Trisha Yearwood. Right now, she yeah. oh wow, yeah, who, and Trisha has won Grammy awards, and she's married to Garth Brooks. Like in, yeah, none other Brooks, than Garth course, Brooks, yeah. but before she was married to Garth, yeah. um, she was on a promo tour um, in Australia, and I was uh, recording a song called "Save the Land," and mm. I asked her if she'd, you know, mm. participate in this fundraising effort for you know drought-stricken farmers, and she said, "Yep, I'll do it." She said, "When are you recording?" I said, "This afternoon." She said, "I'll be there." So um, she joined me in the studio um, at Billy Hyde Studio in Kings Cross, and. Um, yeah. We recorded the song. It was absolutely brilliant, and I offered to give Trisha a ride back to the hotel in my VN Commodore. <laughs> and anyway, yeah. she got in the front seat, and uh, her publicist was in the back, and I, I was a little bit nervous um, 
with, with you know such valuable cargo on board. And I was backing out of uh, Billy Hyde's studio, put the left hand down instead of the right hand, and I scraped the side of the of the Commodore on a on a pole uh, studio yeah. gate, and it just peeled back the the the, the bodywork a little bit like opening up a can of tuna <laughs> and a oh, sardine. No. And um, Trisha got out of the car and I was so embarrassed. And she said, you know, Lee, I think we'll just take a cab. Uh, <laughs> well, see, now they're, they're, uh, they're country royalty in America, aren't they? Yeah, they sure are. And um, she sang with me um, a few... She forgave me because a few years later um, she mm. she sang on an, a song called Gun to Windy Moon, um, and, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, a, and a couple of others on the way as well. She's got a great voice. Now, I saw Garth Brooks and his one and only tour of Australia, and he was just mighty. He, and, and I understand he funded that tour way back then. Did he really? Yeah. Yeah, like $700,000 he tipped into the tour. Yep, yep. Well, it was a good investment because it was packed to the rafters. I remember seeing him there at the Sydney Entertainment Centre. Yeah. And, uh yeah. He's one of the greatest showmen that's ever lived. It's the only it's the only show I've ever been to where, where it was full of cowboy hats. It was great. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, now, Lee, awesome. I got some questions without notice. I hope you don't mind. Okay, mate. First question. I think I know the answer. Who inspired you to make music? Uh, yeah, my dad, Ray. Yeah. Yep. And what have you learnt over your musical journey? Um, never take anything for granted and uh, be, be grateful for every day that you get to do it. Now, Lee Kernigan, if you could open up a show for any artist, who would it be? Uh, it would probably be Hank Williams Jr. Mm. I'm not sure I'd go over yeah. too well because he's way hardcore, but he's one of my heroes. Okay, now name three dinner guests, dead or alive. Um, well, definitely Hank Williams Jr. would be there. Um, there's a guy called David Allen Coe. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, who else? I'll probably, uh, yeah, maybe Garth Brooks. I wouldn't mind hanging out I love Garth. his passion. He's a former advertising guy, and he just knows the business, doesn't he? Yeah. He, he's, he, he certainly knows hit songs, and um, that's what it's all about, you know, is... Mm. Whenever I sort of an album or release new music, I, I ask myself the question: You know, uh, will this song make a difference? You know, how uh, will it nourish my audience? And if it doesn't, then I try to leave it off and go to something else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, out of all these anthems that you have, and it's great. I mean, somebody said to me, if you had two hits in America, you could uh, you could live and perform five days a week for the rest of your life. Well, you've got more than that. You've got heaps more. Um, what's your favourite song to perform? Um, I love doing Flying with the King. Um, mm. Yeah, I love that one. takes me back um, to the flight across Australia that I had uh, where I ended up sitting next to Slim Dusty uh, for the duration of the cross-country flight and the memories of, of that that day were turned into the song called Flying with the King. What, uh, what sage advice did he give you? I don't think he, uh, he gave me any, any advice, mate. Um, he, he sort of just led, he just, he always led by example. And, um, I'll always remember how he took me under his wing, uh, back at the, in the early days of my career. And he recorded 
uh, Leave Him in the Long Yard, um, a, a duet recording that we did together. And we mm. won a gold guitar for that. And I saw mm. what he did um, with uh, Keith Urban and taking him out on the road and Troy Cassadaly and Casey Chambers. So uh, he was much loved by all of us and, and mm. um, did so much to help that younger generation coming through. God love him. How good is that? Now, what's the most trouble you've ever gotten into? Oh, gee, um, crossing a flooded creek at Canungra um, in a 70, you know, it was in an 80 series land cruiser and I thought my cruiser could go anywhere, but I got halfway across and the river, uh, the floodwaters were just racing over the bonnet and I thought I was a goner, but I um, tried the ignition one more time and the old cruiser kicked back into life and drove me out of there, but that's about as close as I've come to (laughs) not being around anymore. And I'll never do that again. Oh, man, you're so lucky. No, you're so lucky. Final question, Lee Kernigan. What have you learnt and what would you pass on to a young, hopeful musician? Uh, well, look, I, I guess I'd just say to any musicians out there and young people coming through, um, just be true to yourself and follow your passion. And if you do that, you won't go too far wrong. Lee Kernigan, it's been a pleasure, an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Oh, honoured to talk to you, Gav, and... Uh, yeah, thanks very very much for having me on the podcast, mate. You're a champion, mate. Thank you for your time. Thanks, mate. Love you. Bye, mate. Gavin Wood's podcast was thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives.